there are any verses of Scripture that the second you read them or you hear them spoken, there's this immediate sense, I'm not measuring up. I'm not there even close. Almost a sense of guilt hits you. Let's try one on for size. Let's see, and I'll read it to you in three different versions because it's extremely short. Just see what your visceral reaction is to this verse from 1 Thessalonians 5.17. In the New Living Translation, it says, Never stop praying. In the NIV, it says, Pray continually. In the King James Version, it says, Pray without ceasing. And that's one of those verses that for many people, and at points in my life, the second I've heard it, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not measuring up in this area. And I think especially for a verse like that, I wrestled with that until I started to come to grips in a deeper way and appreciate what it really means. We'll come back to that later. How does that sound? First, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open your word together. Lord, as we talk about another thing that mattered in the life of Jesus, in the way that Jesus lived, we just invite you to speak to us now in very personal ways, in, in a sort of an invitational way, if I can put it that way, in a way that removes some of the hang-ups we might have about an issue. And so we pray these things, inviting your work in our life now, in Jesus' precious name. So we're doing this little series, and we're ending today, um, called Better. And I thought it was kind of rather applicable at this time of, of the year, and as so much is going on. And it sort of comes out of that verse of Scripture where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we've been talking now for three weeks, including today, about the way that Jesus lived. It's absolutely true that you need to know the truth. You have to appreciate the truth. You have to subscribe to the truth because the truth then leads to life. As he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But we want to talk in these three little messages on the way Jesus lived. And we want to do that in a way that just invites life. And so two weeks ago, we talked about more of what matters. Not about doing more, in fact, it may mean less, actually, because we only have a finite amount of time. So what was it about Jesus and the way he invested in what really mattered? So we talked about more of what mattered, and the, the kind of the key prayer that I invited you to pray every day, maybe several times a day, and then to just listen, is a prayer that might go something like this. God, help me to walk slowly enough in life to experience Jesus fully, and to love people deeply. And it's just another way of really saying the Ten Commandments. Help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully, and to love people deeply, and then just to listen for his direction. Last week then, we talked about, so it was more of what matters than last week, we talked about this moment 
matters. And again, walking in the life of Jesus in a couple of stories from the book of Luke, we, we said, you know, often in life, we focus on the next big thing. Well, if I can just hang on to the next big thing, if I can just hang on to the, till the weekend, then life will be good again. And we sort of lurch through life, and it's not that there's something wrong with the next big moment or the next big thing that's supposed to happen, but in focusing rather exclusively, if I can just hang on until then, we often miss those things in the moment that matter so very much. In fact, it's in those small things in the moment that often things of incredible significance take place. And the way Jesus lived as we looked at his life was to fully be present in the moment rather than just living for what was to come. Today, we want to talk about prayer matters as we're talking about the way that Jesus lived. And in, I think this, these three things that matter are important in the midst of this particularly busy, and I would say, weirdly wonderful season. And we're looking at how Jesus lived in the sense that no matter what was happening in his life, no matter how crazy it got in his life, no matter what the rumor mill was grinding out about him, no matter what the Roman government or the Pharisees were doing, no matter what the disciples had gotten them into that day, Jesus consistently sought the Father in prayer because he understood that prayer matters as well. Let me just read a few verses from his life that illustrate this. There's many more, but let me read a few. In Mark chapter 1, It says, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. In Luke 5, it says, Jesus would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. In Luke 3, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. In Matthew 19, it says, then some children were brought to Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. And then in one of the instances where Jesus taught the leadership team he had with them how to pray in what we would call the Lord's Prayer, the first verse says in Luke 11, it happened that while Jesus was praying at a certain place, after he'd finished, one of the disciples said to him, him, Lord, would you teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples? And so they'd been watching Jesus, and they saw that it was the way he lived his life. And they wanted to learn. They wanted to experience the kind of relationship with the Father that Jesus did. So if we want to have what Jesus had and has... And if we want to live the way he lived, I should probably pray the way Jesus prayed. Certainly we can't cover all of prayer today, but let's look at some of the things from the life of Jesus about how it became a way of life. Because for many of us, it might be safe for me to say that's not the case. And it might be because it's hard for us to focus Some people, quite frankly, just find it boring. Some people lack the confidence to pray. Some people are intimidated when they're around other people who seem to 
know how to pray and connect with God. And it's like they look at them and they think that's like a professional prayer, probably sponsored by prayer.ca or something like that. And of course, those kind of people that are connected to Jesus that way, they'd never want to come across that way. That's not their heart. Or maybe, maybe they're just not sure God will do it. Because maybe they've tried and for some reason or a variety of reasons, it seemed to them like he didn't hear them. Or it might even seem to them like he didn't care. So they think to themselves, prayer seems to work for those people over there, but it doesn't seem to work for me. So to understand prayer and, and the way that Jesus lived his life, Maybe it's best to just talk for a couple minutes about what it's not. So prayer is not a formal presentation. It can be at times. And some people are more wired that way, and that's totally okay for them. It certainly doesn't have to be a formal thing. You don't have to, for example, write out your prayers. I've done that a few times in my life, where I've actually written out my prayers to God and been quite quite formal that way, but that's typically not the way I pray. And, and you might like to do that, but you don't have to. You don't have to use King James language, uh, now I beseech thee, Father, like that, from the 16th century. You could, but you don't have to. Prayer is not giving God your wish list and sort of, maybe not overtly, but subtly thinking him of him as like a spiritual vending machine. I just say these things and put my coins in and he will pop out that which I want. It's not rubbing on the side of an object and saying things just in the right way in a formula or at a certain volume or something like that to get exactly what I want from him. Prayer is not a spiritual negotiation where you sit down across the table from God and say, okay, now let's get down to brass tacks because I want this, and so I'm willing to give you this and this and not do that and that if you'll just come through for me on this other project I have. It's not like that. Prayer is not um, a performance to win God's favor because God loves us perfectly. Not one thing you can do or not do to make God love you any more or any less than he already does. Prayer is not putting on a show to impress the people that might be listening. Jesus speaks about that in Matthew 6. Don't pray that way, he says. So if you look at the life of Jesus, prayer wasn't just an action he did. Prayer was the way he lived wasn't just an action he did, it was the way he lived. It wasn't just a, a momentary action where he would fold his hands and bow his head and close his eyes and talk to God and then end with the word amen. It can be that. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than an action you occasionally do. More of the way that you live. Verses we read a couple minutes ago about the life of Jesus, they're just illustrative of how he prayed. He would lead the crowd 
or he'd lead the people he was staying with and he'd get up early and he'd go and pray or he'd leave and slip away from the crowd and he would go and pray. He would pray late at night after having prayed early in the morning perhaps. He would go out into the wilderness to pray. He would go up and climb a mountain and he would pray. Sometimes he prayed in front of small groups of people and sometimes he would pray in front of large groups of people. Prayed at spiritually significant moments in his life when he was baptized to show us to follow in that same pattern. He prayed after he healed people. He would pray all night, it says, before he chose his leadership team, before he made this huge decision who am I going to put on the team so that the world will subsequently be changed through them and all of history changed? After he was nailed to the cross, he prayed. While he was dying on the cross, he prayed. So when you look at the life of Jesus, and I've just given you a few illustrations, you can see that prayer is just woven into the very fabric of his life. And it was all about the way he lived. Now, many of you are thinking, perhaps, maybe not many, maybe I don't have the time. I have to be productive. I have to get things done. And you absolutely do. And so do I. But just maybe, can I suggest something? Just maybe, there's nothing more productive in life than the time you spend seeking the heart of God and inviting his power. Maybe you'll be much more effective about what really matters. That's part of your life. Part of the way you do life. Jesus, in teaching us how to pray, one of the times he's praying, uh, talking to the boys about prayer, and in verse chapter 6 of Matthew, and he says, well, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I referenced this earlier. Don't pray to put on a show. Don't pray to put on a show. I tell you the truth. They've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your father, who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Then he goes on to teach them the Lord's Prayer and says this is some of the elements that you build into a healthy prayer life. So Jesus is saying, listen, one of the cool things about prayer that, that I would invite you to do is, is go and find a secluded place. Maybe maybe a room in your house, maybe a favorite chair somewhere in that house or out on the deck when it's warm enough to do that, maybe a corner somewhere where you can be all alone. Turn your phone off or all the notifications off. Don't pay any attention to any texts or anything that comes. Turn the TV off. Maybe you have some worship music playing gently in the background if you enjoy that. Make the choice, he's saying there in verse 6, make the deliberate choice to disconnect from the world in order to connect to the Lord of hosts. Make the choice to disconnect in order to connect to the Lord of hosts. And really what he's saying, I think, in that verse is he's saying intimacy is never an accident. Jesus is saying intimacy is never an accident. We never 
accidentally get close to God and say, oops, how did that happen? I kind of stumbled into this somehow. It doesn't work that way. And so in my relationship with God or with my spouse or with a friend, it doesn't happen without intimate and focused time where you talk to one another, where you spend time together, where you experience life together. You know, one of the reasons there might be bumps in your relationships with people, with a spouse, is because you think it's an accident. Not in relationship or you are in relationship with them. Intimacy and focus has to happen. Well, what kind of things do I pray about? Well, Jesus in that Lord's Prayer and in other places, He really says to us, a great place to start is to acknowledge God for who he is and what he's done. That's why he says, our Father who art in heaven. In other words, you're the creator and I'm the one that's been created. Hallowed be your name. In other words, I I treat you with a deep-seated respect, God. I honor you. You're holy. You're pure. God. So that's a great place to, to be in your prayer life, to say part of my prayer life is they're going to celebrate who God is and, and his nature and what he does. It also says in Scripture, in another place in Philippians, just pray about everything, everything and anything. So in other words, whatever's on your mind, I would argue is actually on the heart of God. You can talk to him about it. You can talk to him about the things that you're excited about. You can talk to him about the things that you have questions about. You can talk to him about the fact that you're hurting. You have all this turbulence going on inside you that you think you're hiding from everyone, but he actually knows more about it than you do because he created you. He knows every thought knows everything you've done or not done. You can talk to him about it. If you've, if you've made a sinful choice in your life and you're being convicted by the Spirit of God and feeling guilty for your sinful choice, you can talk to him about that too. You can invite him to forgive you and to cleanse you. And he says that he will. You can handle it. Whatever's going on in your life, you can just talk to him about that. Just pour out your heart to him. And there's this this kind of unique balance of I'm going to revere him, I'm going to respect him, I'm going to be in awe of him, and yet at the same time, he's this intimate friend. So I can be real with him and just talk to him about whatever it is that's going on in my life. And this is how Jesus related to his father. Often hear me say what I'm about to say. I don't usually use it, say it this way. I'll say it in a variety of ways. But there's nowhere in this book where God says he wants to be a part. Nowhere where he says, you know, I just want to, I just want a little corner of your life. It's a part of your life. You know, and I would be just, there's nowhere where God's just saying, I'm just really, I'd be super satisfied if you just 
pray, you know, three or four or five minutes on the mornings that you're not late for work or that you, you know, didn't get too busy doing something else and that'll be fine and then I'll see you tomorrow, have a great day kind of thing. You know, it's very clear all through this book, he wants all of your life. All of your life. And so I would suggest that the way of Jesus is to view prayer as not just an action, it's the way that you live. This is the way of Jesus. And this is really at the heart of what was written to the church at Thessalonica when it says, never stop praying from 1 Thessalonians 5.17. That little verse that we read right at the beginning of the service. It's at the heart of what he was saying when he said to them, pray continually. As I've said, it's more than an action. It's a way of living where I recognize I can interact with God anywhere and anytime. And, you know, absolutely you can, and, and it's a good thing to do, you can break away and go and be totally by yourself and bow your head if that's what you care to do and to fold your hands and to pray. And, and maybe you want to just look up at God as you're praying and just connect with him that way. So you, you can do that, but you can also pray while you're driving. Actually, by the way, a lot safer than texting while you're driving. You can talk with him at work when the person in the cubicle beside you is really getting on your nerves. God, would you, would you give me the grace to leave the Jesus way in front of that person that's the wisdom of how to navigate this relationship. You can pray uh, when you're about to lose your temper and just go off on your kids. You can pray uh, when you've lost your keys, you know, you're hunting through the drawers. You can just be talking to Jesus about that and say, you know, I made this promise that I was going to be at this event and I really want to be there and I can't find my keys. Could you help me with that, God? You can pray in the middle of a test that you're taking in grade 11 when you're trying to remember that formula that you had committed to memory and worked really hard to get a grips on and you just can't quite remember part of it now and go, you know, God, I worked really hard on this. Would you help me just be at peace and just remember how to go through this? Because I've done this before. Would you help me with that? You can talk to him about those things. So prayer is getting alone with God in that quiet place but it's also just living in his presence. It's enjoying and inviting the exercising of his power in our life. It's experiencing his peace. It's not about focusing on what God is going to give me and what I want, and you have to do this. It's more about this journey where he's, he's aligning my will with his will. It's about actually delighting as he changes. It's about welcoming the conviction when the, when the Spirit of God convicts me specifically of my sin. And then being so grateful afterwards, after he's forgiven me. Thanks for that, God. They're just the release of being forgiven for that thing that I did about sensing his direction, about saying, 
man, I really need to exercise those spiritual gifts you've seeded in my life, and I'm just going to talk to you about that. About, you know, and, and, and what you're going to find is, as you do life like this, if this is the way you do life, increasingly you're going to find that your heart begins to hurt with the things that hurts the heart of And you are going to increasingly rejoice in the things that God rejoices in. And he will prompt you to do things and and you'll go, that's a little little outside my comfort comfort zone, but he'll help you do it. Go and talk to that person and to just respond as he leads you. Now, some of you are more might be more into some rhythms or some patterns of doing that. So let me just, let me give you a healthy one that you can follow. Like you can study the prayers of scripture and there is often patterns and elements that repeat itself. If you study the prayers, you'll say, well, it seems like they do this every time and this every time. But let me just give you a healthy rhythm that will take you through the day. And I borrow this from Max Licato. Four different kinds of thoughts, and it's easy to remember. It's all alliterated. Um, And so he just calls them waking thoughts is the first one. So when you wake up first thing in the morning, you just go something like this. Good morning, God. You know, I'm I'm getting ready to head into the day, and and I know from Psalm 118 that this is the day that the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'd really appreciate it, God. I've got a plan worked out for the day, but I just would appreciate it if if you would direct my steps. And if you want to change directions, if you want me to notice something today, I'm open. And so would you do that? Help me to see the needs you want me to see today. Help me to speak the words of life. Help me to give words of encouragement when they should be offered. Lord, would you convict me if you see me starting to get out of line? And so those are just kind of some great waking thoughts in the morning. Then there's, there's uh, waiting thoughts is the second W. What are the things you're waiting for in life? Lord, um, that brother of mine that's never bowed the knee to Jesus, I've been praying for him for 15 years. Would you bring... Him to Christ. Change his life. You forgive his sin. And you bring those things you're waiting for. You're waiting for a breakthrough in your life. You know, there's this issue I've been wrestling with, and I need a breakthrough. Or I need provision in my life, and I've been waiting for this. Or I'm looking to this job I think that you want me to have. Lord, would you, would you give me an answer to that? Because I think that would be really good. The third one is whispering thoughts. And it's just those prayers that you can't shout out loud when you're in the office, okay? When you're walking down the hallway, you know, you can't rebuke the attack of the evil one in Jesus' name. When you're a child of the king, Ephesians says you're in the throne room with Jesus, and we have authority because of Jesus to bind the power of the evil one. So you probably can't shout that out loud in the office, but you can whisper pray that. You could say, Lord, I'm on my way. I've prepared well, but I'm on my way to see my boss and do this big presentation. Would you help me to be myself? Would you help me to get the facts correct? Would you help me to to be able to answer their questions if they probe about this project? Or that parent that says, I'm heading down the hallway to knock on my 16-year-old's door 
Talk to them about that party they want to go to. Help them to know, even though I'm going to say no or whatever it is I'm going to say, that I love them, that I really want what's best for them. Could you help me to do that, Lord? You know, on Friday morning, I was with, with a bunch of people from our church at the soup kitchen here in town, and uh, we were giving breakfast to some under-resourced people in our community. And uh, it is a cool thing to do. If you've never done it, I encourage you to do it. Really neat thing to do. So um, I'm, you know, chatting with some of the guys and stuff like that. And I had a couple jobs I did. And then they assigned me, we're going to get you to clean the tables after they're done. So there was this little lull between the first jobs and this last job I was going to do. And so I was just kind of standing on the edge of the dining room. And I was doing whisper prayers. And I was just saying, who do you want me to pray for, Jesus? Then I would try to catch that person's eye, and then I'd just be, you know, talking and just praying for them, praying for Jesus' love to penetrate that life. That if there's an attack of the evil one in that person's life, that it would be bound in Jesus' name, that they would understand that they're loved. And so I was just praying whisper prayers for a while, and we can do that. The last one is waning prayers or waning thoughts. And that's just at the end of the day. So you're getting ready to go to bed and you just do a mental rehearsal through the day and you say, hey God, I saw you show up here today. I saw where I experienced you in this stuff today. uh, And I'm so thankful to you for these things today. And to be honest with you, God, there, uh, you know, at four o'clock, that thing got laid on me, that huge burden, and it's really bugging me right now. And if it's okay, God, before I go to bed, I'd like to just take that burden and I'd just like to lay it on you. Did I do that, God? See, it says that in the Bible, we can cast our cares on he cares for you. And so that's kind of a cool way to go through the day. Uh, waking, waiting, whispering. And waiting. Let me just say, you're wrestling with this prayer guilt or I don't measure up. It's time to be free from that. Time to be free from that. Because the Bible just says God's with you right now not a matter of three or four minutes in the morning and then he kind of goes off and does his other stuff and then he checks back in with you the next day. No, he's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And you can find a place, like Jesus said in Matthew 6, and just be alone with him. But then don't stop praying as the day rolls out. Just make it the way you do life. It's like, Think of it as just like calling or texting with a dear friend, where you just have this dialogue back and forth throughout the day. And I say all this because this is the way Jesus lived his life, because he understood that prayer really matters. Now, for some of you here, you're looking at me maybe with a bit of a question mark because never really prayed, but the kind of relationship and close relationship with God that I've been hinting at really strongly this morning, it sounds really appealing to you, and you've never had that, being drawn to that, 
if that's the case, it may be the time for you today to pray the most important prayer of your life. That's the prayer of launching a relationship with Jesus. Let me just talk to you for a minute. You know that despite what you've done in life or not done in life, loves you. Loves you. That he had you in mind. He came. The Bible says he humbled himself and he came. And he took on human form or human flesh. And he came on mission for you because he loves you. So, uh, despite the secrets that you have, that we all have, despite the secret thoughts that are rolling through your head right now, despite the doubts and the darkness that, again, we all have, God loves you perfectly. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, you can do. Not one thing. He wants to give it to you. What God wants more than anything else in the world Laser focused on that right now. And what will happen is if you do that, it will make you, in a growing way, aware of your own sinfulness. The Bible says we're all in the same boat on this, okay? It says all of us, all of us, starting with the reverend here and everyone else, have fallen short glory of God, because God's perfect and we're not. And so this is at the heart why Jesus came on mission. We talked about hope today. We sang several songs referencing that. We had, Sam came and read the Isaiah chapter 9 passage and led the, uh, read the, and lit the candle, rather. And, and the hope is that Jesus came because each one of us has sinned. One of us stepped outside the boundaries that God has set up. This is why Jesus came. This is why he lived. This is why he was sacrificed. Why he died. This is why he was buried. This is why he rose from the dead. This is why more than 500 people were eyewitnesses to his resurrection. And by doing this, God says, I've defeated sin I've defeated death. I've defeated And so he offers and he says, if anybody will pray, and pray in the name of Jesus, and invite him to forgive you. Invite him to be the one that saves you, to be your Savior. And to let him be the Lord. Remember I said earlier, he's not interested in a part of you. He's interested in all of you. So it's a big time commitment, right? Really saying, um, I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be the king of my life, the rightful king. That's how God's pictured in Scripture. And when that happens, your past will be gone. God never brings it up again. The Bible actually says you become literally, in Jesus, a new creation. So it's not a matter of God kind of just polishing you up, and cleaning up some of the dirty areas or 
makes you into a new creation. He takes it away, the guilt, the shame. So with one prayer, one life-changing commitment, so if that's your desire, in just a minute, what's going to happen is going to get everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. And I'm just going to ask you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because what you're doing is you're saying, God, I want to have that kind of relationship with you. And then I'll pray and you can follow in prayer. And then the last thing is I'll just ask you to tell someone else what you've done. Value in that. Help solidify it in you. And so you could tell someone you came with. There'll be some people up front. You could tell them. And with one prayer, you can give your life to Jesus. Have a relationship with God that is deeply. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes, bow their head. Like to pray that prayer with me. Raise your hand. There's several people in here. Several people. Yeah, okay. Follow with me in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you were born and to the cross. I pray, Lord Jesus, I've done sinful things. Either done things I knew were wrong or I didn't do the things I knew. But I accept your forgiveness. Thank you so much for I receive you as my Savior. Equally so, and even though I may not totally understand this, I want to receive you as Lord. Just give you my life. You're my King. I want to learn from you and be Have a rich relationship. Leave you went to the cross, died, and you rose from the dead for me. Thank you so much. Pray these things now. In Jesus' precious name. So you go and tell, you're part of the family of Jesus now. You go and tell somebody what you've done. Tell the person that's up here at the front.